right, Marky, episode 10 on the line from Brooklyn. Queen Majesty herself, Erica Deal. Erica, welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you guys for having me. Erica, you moved away from us in 1994. You wanted to be a painter. You did a little graphic design. Yeah. You became yep. a DJ. And then <laughs> now you are the queen of hot sauce, some would say. And uh, how's it going? I mean, so far, so good. So how does it get started with you wanting to move to uh, the Big Apple? Well, I had wanted to go to New York City since I was about 13 years old. You know, I think I could see Mercy Hospital from outside my bedroom window, and I would just, like, pretend it was New York City. (laughs) (laughs) And I had been preparing my parents for a really long time, like, you know, this is happening, just letting you guys know. And um, so they were cool with it. By the time the time came, they were like, all right, you know, as far as I remember, we were, they were just like, okay, cool. I had never been there before. And, and um, I don't think they had either. So we like, we all, um, I think all of us, except for maybe my older sister, like all packed up in a van and they, they, they drove me to Manhattan, um, dropped me off at FIT. And um, yeah, I guess, and, and you know, yeah. What were what were your influences like leaving? Because I when I remember of nineteen ninety four is like Forest L t shirts. <laughs> what did you see that in Buffalo that made you want to go and do that? Hmm, I'm not sure. I think I think there must have been maybe movies or Was it music. Hey, you know maybe Desperately Seeking Susan. When did that come out? I'm not sure. <laughs> but um. Yeah, possibly. I just knew that like all like artists and um, you know, people that, you know, were different. But like moving uh to New York then opposed to now it was a lot different, right? As opposed to now, yeah. Like worlds worlds different. And I'm sure, you know, I th- I think, you know, people twenty years before I moved to New York that had been living in New York could say the very same thing. But when we when I moved here in um, '94, it was still, yeah. I mean, you could go into like peep shows on the corner. I think, and I think I, <laughs> and I have, like, like I just remember like me and my friend Charles giggling, like putting like quarters in like peep shows, or you know, it was just it was just like, and it was just, it just seemed. Um, I'm glad I got here at that time because it was um, more of a taste of what I had always growing up expecting new york to be and that's before giuliani uh cleaned it up so it's very dingy new york city there's there's little elements of punk rock and you're oh yeah at the time you're you're hustling what what are you doing to make money while you're going to school well i i went to fit for a couple years and then um maybe only like two years and then i just decided that i was very overwhelmed at the time of just like being in new york city and um I kind of, you know, never buy into the whole thing that you need to go to four years of college, really. But um, I, that's just my opinion. I never really bought into that. So I felt like I just got as much information as I needed and then, you know, kind of just started seeing seeing what else I could get into. I, I had a bunch of different jobs. I think I was working, uh, when I first moved here, I was working at like a little like French like um retail place like a little french like um boutique like clothing boutique um and on like 23rd street i was also um doing stage managing this is super random like stage managing for like off off broadway production 
um, and, and and also working at a coffee shop called um, News Bar. I was working at Crunch Gym. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I was actually checking in oh, people yeah, with, um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was like a lot of celebrities would go in there, but actually who I worked with at the time was, um, Judah Friedlander, um, the actor from oh, the guy with uh, the hats. Rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he wore hats back then too, but he was like, he looked exactly the same. And we, we worked together behind the counter at, um, Crunch Gym on, uh, I think it was like 13th or 14th street. Wow. Another hustler, Mark. How do we find them? Yeah, it would seem to be tough with school. Yeah, school at that point was done for me. I was like, it was just like, eh, you know, because um, I was living in the dorms. I was actually living in the dorms at FIT, and then I moved into a studio apartment on 30th Street with my friend Ramey. And 30th Street between um, 8th and 9th Avenue at that time was also super crazy. There was just like, just straight up like, whorehouses on the corner like korean whorehouses Uh -uh. specifically on that block and like well you know any kind of whorehouse actually is it completely different now oh yeah i'm sure there's like a chipotle there or something (laughs) (laughs) of course yeah your first apartment's in a a chipotle it sounds like a (laughs) talking head song (laughs) probably yeah so speaking of music when does the, the Jamaican influence in the DJing? Because we Queen, when is Queen Majesty born in New York City? Hmm. Well, um, the very first day of uh, back to FIT, the very, very first day of FIT, I met my friend Andy, who I'm still friends with um, to this day. Where you know I see him all the time, and he was in a ska band, and he's the one who pretty much, you know, introduced me to. Um, the ska music that was going on in New York City at that time and um, just kind of opened up a world of like, you know, 60s and 70s Jamaican music to me that I hadn't been exposed to before. So, you know, the whole time of like that I was mentioning working at News Bar and things like that, at the same time, I'm like making that money and then going out and, um, you know, to record shops and starting my collection of like um, vintage Jamaican songs it with nothing in mind to like ever DJ. This was just something that I fell in love with and I just started, you know, collecting everything I could find on it. Is there a big market for uh, a reggae DJ in New York City cuz I mean, it's a big city. I mean, yeah. It's um it is a big city. No. <laughs> there's not. There's not a big... <laughs> but um, you know, there was enough of a demand for, you know, the amount of energy that I wanted to put into it at the time. Um, so I'm trying to think what happened. So, okay. Um, I, then I became a makeup artist actually for a little while. I was working at Aveda in, uh, also in Soho at the time. And, um, so I, and then I started getting gigs for, for, um, magazines, but I stopped doing that because it was actually, and I'm totally like dating myself, of course, but we already talked about, you know, time periods, um, pre-digital photographs. So being a makeup artist, pre-digital photographs was such a pain in the ass because you had to track down the photographer and he had to like physically give you like, you know, a print of, of like the makeup that you did. It's like, I'm sure it's like a whole, you know, obviously it's a whole other world now. Like it was giving but, tons of people jobs though, right? 
Um, I guess so. I maybe I don't know. I just feel like it was it was compared to now. It's it would just seem so super inefficient, and it was just really hard to, to track actually all the photographers down because once you know once you did the makeup and you know they got their what they wanted, they're just on to like giving it to a magazine or something like that to like go out of their way to like then go back and give the prints to the makeup artist. I don't know. Not all of them did that. Now with digital, it's. Oh yeah, it's like a breeze. Yeah, it's it's insane the difference. So um, so I stopped doing that and I I um started working at um an advertising and design slash branding company as like an administrative assistant. And this is actually where the story starts. I would say for DJing and the hot sauce world. Yeah. So um, it's called um Grand Gusset in the East Village, like beautiful like you know hardwood floor loft like windows everywhere it was just like a super nice environment to work with um you know three guys were running it and we did a lot of cool projects but then um i was there probably for like a year or so and um at that time my landlord um decided to sell our building so we had to move out of where we were living and by we it was like me, my cousin, and like two other girlfriends in this place in Park Slope, which was we were paying nine hundred dollars for like a three bedroom, and oh my God. like that place. Yeah, now it would be, I would, it would probably be at least thirty five hundred dollars, oh at least. God. Yeah. The nineties. Um, <laughs> the good old nineties. The good old nineties. So I end up taking that as an opportunity to actually move to Hawaii for like um, <laughs> maybe like, I don't know, four, four or five months maybe. And um, started painting hula, hula lamps there. Like, um, so I just took a little break. That's, that was like, just throw that on the pile of jobs I've had is like what painting hula lamps in what? Hawaii. So then when I moved back, I, I ended up moving back to New York and back to the same advertising company. And, um, instead of being an administrative assistant there I ended up starting to do graphic design with them and was working alongside a lot of the graphic designers who were just these super chill really creative artistic guys um one of them being my friend Eric Z who um who actually started getting me to DJ because at that time so you know from 94 to I guess 2000 like I had a mask you know, a pretty decent collection of reggae records. He had his own record collection. He So he is the one who actually started pushing me to DJ, that we should start a DJ night together. Um, and I just was kind of like, sure, why not? I mean, I'm sitting on all these records. So, yeah, we we started doing it. His I think his DJ name kept changing, but it was like, Warrior Monkey Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> something, something silly. But, um yeah, so that's kind of how the DJ thing started. And then I ended up just like never saying no to a gig. So, um, you know, it was it was at that time it was like a lot of DJing at small bars and probably to only like, I don't know, 10 people, 10, what, 15 that, people. That's like a ton of work, though. Like uh, DJing with records, like that was some backbreaking stuff, huh? Yeah, I... I, um, it was a labor of love, I guess, you know, 
at the time too, I just never really, um, it was more of an excitement that like played out on like a better system that you have at home and just kind of like hanging out with your friends and like getting paid in free drinks. And you're just kind of like, this is great. You know, like who cares that, <laughs> that I'm carrying around like 40 pounds of, uh, you know, records. You go and DJ now, what do you bring? A laptop? Headphones? Uh, not usually. No, I actually still bring you records. You still do it? Do oh, you really? Yeah. See, yeah. Now that's I'm worth a- it right there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to Jamaica the first week of December, and I'm I'm bringing, like, a bunch of records with me. That's impressive. But, um, thank you. Yeah. I mean, if, like, I've DJed, like, weddings on boats and things like that, there's certain places where, you know, I I'll, I will bring a laptop if I have to. I mean, and even back when you started DJing, when you're a young DJ in uh, New York City, all of a sudden you're on top of a building. The next day you're you're in a little bar. Like it it, oh, it yeah. varies, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's um, yeah. It's I mean, usually you're. I would say like when you're starting out, you're more in a little bar. Um, and then, like, once you get a little bit better, I, maybe you go on top of a building. But, um, this whole DJ thing, I was, my friend um, Jeremy Mush one actually suggested the name Queen Majesty to me because um, it's an old, it's the name of an old reggae song by, by the Techniques, which actually covered it off of Curtis Mayfield's Minstrel and Queen. So technically, it comes from Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. But... Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, using it from like the, the Jamaican influence cause, um, it's its own rhythm now. I can explain rhythms to you, like maybe on another podcast <laughs> or like going through that whole thing. But yeah, there's like a Queen Majesty rhythm. Like it's, it's a very popular, um, like name in, um, people who, who know reggae know, know the name Queen Majesty already. So, so it was just a really cool name for, for him to suggest for me feminine reggae related whatever so it just it all kind of worked out um and then and then so yeah and then it just kind of um turned into a thing and i realized that this was something that i could do that i want to do that that i'm good at and uh so i just i kept i kept up with it and then you get more exciting gigs than than bars and stuff like that like a DJ here, there's not something going on all the time. Like New York was just the place that it it can happen the most. Right. Well, I think, you know, I think people appreciate, I mean, even in Buffalo, like I'm sure, you know, people, people want to party, like no matter what, where they are, you know? So I, I think that even in Buffalo, I I know some reggae DJs and I actually did a party in Buffalo a couple of years ago. That was really fun. People were really into it. So I guess it just depends. I mean, New York is just so much, I mean, there's, I, I would say there's, you know, obviously like a, like a more massive, like Caribbean community here too. So you're going to get like all of that support than Buffalo. But yeah. So w- along the lines, while you, you know, you're jamming, uh, where does the hot sauce angle come in? So the same guys that I was working with at Gray and Gustafson, Besides influencing me in graphic design and um, DJing, at, at lunchtime, we would all just be, you know, have lunch together and just be bringing in, like, the craziest hot sauces that we could find. And then some of them brought in their own hot sauces at lunch. And then 
And then we all decided to bring in our own hot sauces. And then it turned into like a yearly contest. And being graphic designers, we started making like labels and um, all this stuff. And it went on for eight or 10 years. Um, like our yearly like hot sauce competition. And that was another thing I realized that I was good at because even though it was like a fun contest, I kept winning like best in show. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I was like, you know, of course, like patting myself on the back. But um, but it was also fun. It was also something that I realized that I, I really liked. It was really fun. I eat hot sauce on everything. So um, with reggae I and like reggae DJing, I've always kind of kept it as a side project. Like I never really wanted it to be my main money-making thing, even though I'm sure it could have. I, it just seemed... Um, like I'd rather make money from doing something, uh, artistically perhaps, um, because I didn't want, I didn't want DJing to be a chore. Like I never wanted DJing to be something that I had to do. I always wanted DJ DJing to be something that was like a, a like a bonus, you know, something that I just enjoyed for the love of, um, Jamaican music. And also just the history of it being Jamaican music and that a lot of the artists themselves never got. Um, you know, fully compensated monetarily for their work. Like, why am I making money off of their work? But whatever. Um, so, so, it, so I just always kept it as like a side thing. And the hot sauce, um, yeah. The, so, the hot sauce seemed like a good opportunity to me as something that I could potentially, you know, make money off of and start a business. You know start a business with on my own and that officially launches in 2013 queen yeah. majesty hot sauce now we've you know a lot of people probably have seen queen majesty hot sauce and they don't even realize it you know the the hot ones that new show i see it i, I see it everywhere because this is a great job of what you're doing talk about how oh, thank you, you you do all the designing the the own you like do, branding, you're taking everything that you were learning in the '90s exactly. in New York City, <laughs> and now we're putting it into this hot sauce. That's amazing to me. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I could take all those experiences that I had, you know, working at a branding company, learning graphic design, having like the um, the amount of influence influencers and like crew around me that I met through DJing. You know, when I first started putting out the hot sauce. A lot of my friends, you know, I was just giving it to them. They were putting it up on Instagram and things like that. And, you know, that's, you know, I'm really grateful for that. That I think that helped give the company a little bit of a push as well. And then I met um, uh, Noah from Hedonist at a mar at like a night market in Brooklyn. Now, um, Hedonist is a hot sauce store in Brooklyn. They're the guys that curate the hot sauces on hot ones. So because we'd been doing business together for a couple of years, they ended up putting my, um, my sauce on hot ones. And yeah, that, that definitely was a good, really good push for us. And also of course, really fun to see it, you know, like these... celebrities and people trying it. Oh yeah. The one where Joey Diaz is sweating his ass off that, that <laughs> gets to you and oh, coffee, but in <laughs> these sauces, Marky, they're, 100% vegan, gluten-free, sugar-free. That's a that's a big trend right now. How does that, how did you get into that? 
Um, well, uh, I just think that, well, putting sugar in a hot sauce to me, you know, I, I think it's cheating a little bit. So I, I just wanted to make food that <clears throat> just like straight up food, like use like, you know, kind of like food ingredients. Um, and it's just, you know, it just so happens that hot sauce is normally gluten-free, obviously normally vegan. But when I was working at markets, that would be like, I would be asked that every other time. Is it gluten-free? Is it vegan? So I just ended up putting it on the bottle. Like, yes. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, in the, the jalapeno tequila has won gold medals at the annual New York City Hot Sauce Expo. That, mm-hmm. That's that. Those are great, great honors. New York City's not oh, yeah. a small place, like we said. And I mean, you're in there with heavy hitters in the same articles as Frank Sriracha, Tabasco. You're right alongside in these articles. That's a great job. To, yeah, thank there. you. Yeah, we're lucky for that. So you went to the food and what was it? The food and wine. Yeah, the New York City Wine and Food Festival with my bro. Yeah, he was saying he's like you're you're right you're right next to like the heavy hitters of the the world of food. Yeah, it's it's um it, it was it was a fun festival to be a part of. Um they reached out to us to see if they wanted to get a booth there and um I thought at this point in our, you know, timeline that it was, you know, something cool that we could check out, spend a little money, see what's happening like, you know, marketing to some real foodies and wine lovers and um yeah it was fun it was cool how how much is the social media influence with the food the food industry with the hot sauce especially is is that a, a very big deal are there people really pushing that angle yeah is it a huge part for branding a company now um social media I, yeah i think that that helps for like all companies at this point i'm i'm kind of bad at it Um, I try to like make myself do it, you know, um, but, but yeah, it's huge. And it's a huge business in and of itself. Like there's people that email me all the time. Like you can hire someone that will do your social media for you, you know? Yeah. That's what we uh, did. That's what we did. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's what I'm doing here. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very smart because, you know, you got to, one thing about being in business they say is, you know, know your strengths and weaknesses. So if that's your weakness, get someone else to do it. That makes sense. <laughs> it's good to hear that you're at the, you know, the New York City Wine and Food Festival and all these places as the little guy against the, it's good to hear the little guy is still pushing along in America today. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Is, is that yeah. something that, yeah, is that something that you, you strive <laughs> off that you kind of like, you know, you kind of strut around when you're like, yeah, well, I'm sitting right next to Tito's Vodka. What do you got to say there? I mean, I'm just a Queen Majesty hustler. <laughs> what? Well, there's 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 a couple things that I think about with it. I'm The more I'm in this business and the more I meet other makers and talk to other makers, I also realize that, you know, everyone's kind of winging it. You know, Fake like, it till like, you make it. It's, yeah, you know, like behind the scenes, it's like, you know, even like I was looking at some of those like big, you know, the bigger booths and things like that. I'm I'm just sure that like there was a lot of that they were having a lot of doubts that I was having with my littler booths. Like, should we do this? Should we do that? You know, it's just 
it's just, I feel like you, you just go through the same things. It just becomes bigger and, you know, you end up spending more money or something, but I feel like, like the smallest company and the biggest company, like have, have a lot of similarities and like, you know, what they're going through, but being a small company, yeah, it's, it's super cool. And I, I try to support other small companies, um, you know, with, as far as like farms that we're buying from, um, local places that we get the labels from, uh, you know, things like that. But then, <laughs> you know, one of our biggest customers is Amazon. So like we're selling like tons of our products on Amazon. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that necessarily. Yeah, like, I think that that's that great. Stores and a lot. I know. I know. So you're like, on one hand, you're like supporting being local, supporting, you know, your friends and neighbors. You could get the hot sauce online. You sell to a few brick and motors in the New York area, correct? Are we ever yeah. going to see the, this in Buffalo stores, Erica? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been in Buffalo stores. Um, I'm I'm assuming they ran out from knowing the last time that they ordered, but but yeah, definitely I'm I'm working on it. I, d- I definitely want to get it into um, more Buffalo stores. I tried the habanero coffee. That's the one I tried. How did you come nice. up with the coffee and the hot sauce? Um. Well, well, uh, red habanero is a really strong flavor. So I was trying to think of um, what could come like, you know, kind of like go against how strong that flavor is. And since coffee is a very strong flavor, we were playing around with that idea. So now we now we make coffee infused vinegar and use it as the base. You got to play around. Talk about that when you're playing around with something. Are you using the blenders? How are you doing this? Take us into the laboratory. <laughs> the blenders. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're using, we're using the blenders for sure. <laughs> um, we're using, uh, yeah, we're just, yeah, we're just playing around. It's, it's, um, I, I always encourage people to do that, you know, and, um, it's like the, the video that I did with Sean Evans, when we gave out some, uh, recipes to make it home, like when people made those and like sent us pictures, that was so much, I love, I love when people are just like playing around with their with their hot sauce just it's you know vinegars pepper peppers that's like your three main components and then just play around with it from there well it's it's really taken off queen majesty hot sauce you could look them up on instagram and all that they're they're out there from amazon you could order from how has it gotten bigger like it's it was pretty small when you started right and how did that work even like uh doing it in the city was it harder do you think um yeah i definitely think so because um like rents are just so much um more expensive so i think so but then at the same but then you know you have that obstacle but at the other side you know i got um accepted to an outdoor market like smorgasburg and i had thousands of people trying my hot sauce every single weekend so that helps you know what i mean but then you know you're making it in a kitchen that comes in my apartment but you know it's um pros and cons and do you have to have like a licensed kitchen in the city oh yeah definitely (laughs) And we go into patents all the time. A lot of people say, oh, I got the best Bloody Mary recipe. My hot sauce is the best. But how do you go about patenting? Um, I don't know if you can. 
Um, really? We have, we, yeah, we have some trademarks. We have trademarks on everything that we can get trademarks on. Yeah, pens, pens are a funny thing, but my recipes are in my head. And actually, my brother has my recipes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's sitting right He knows now. my recipes. And then that's it. That's it. It's only me. We got him ransom. Brother. Yeah, we uh, actually <laughs> have him yeah. ransom in a basement in South <laughs> Buffalo right now. <laughs> no, but good luck, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> now that that's impressive. That all the recipes are in your head. Well, they're they are written down. I'm sorry, they are written down. But when I make them on a daily basis, I don't have like I'm not looking at a recipe every day. It's oh, like all sure. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's impressive. Everywhere I've looked <laughs> up on you, Erica, they they you're the queen of the hot sauce. How does that make you feel to be kind of on top of the mountain here? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it makes. Any particular way. Do, you, do you feel like it's a, it all male dominated? Um, yeah, I've some super cool that that also are in like the spicy world for sure. It is male dominated. It, that's something you know that I think that I've learned from being a DJ in uh, New York City for so long that I'm just used to being in male dominated worlds. So it doesn't, you know, so being in another one doesn't really bother me. And yeah, I've, I've, um, yeah, I've met some really cool, um, females in this world as well. So yeah, I just feel really grateful um, that, that people are enjoying it. It really means a lot to me, you know, like people that, um, I work with when we get feedback and, you know, just people saying that they like the sauce that that's really, honestly, that's like what keeps us going. So. It's really nice. Well, we love the work that you're doing. Uh, Erica, I think ever, Buffalo should drift toward your hot sauce. You're a local, you're not, you're a local girl, but a great, great product. I'd like to see people start. I, I think after this episode, Marky, you're going to be going into restaurants. You're going to see Queen Majesty on the table <laughs> in some places. What was the closest you did? You came to coming back to Buffalo and what was so bad? Why didn't you? <laughs> 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 no, nothing so bad. I love Buffalo, especially in the summer. <laughs> and uh, you know, I do think about it sometimes. I think if anything, like now, like around this time, because New York City is changing a lot and it's you know, I think it's because I'm getting older and I'm not in, you know, some of the underground scenes that it's like New York city seems a little bit like tamer and lamer to me than like what I've always liked about it. But then I'll see some, you know, 20 somethings and they've got like, you know, they're all dressed up in like crazy hair and crazy outfits. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, okay, maybe it's still there. I just don't know about it. You know, it's still recovering from the sex in the city. The, the influence that stupid show had on that city. Oh yeah, I think so. Really, yeah, it's it's yeah, Sex and the City kind of yeah exploded all over the city. Um, yeah, it just it just kind of I yeah, I really think that that was a pivotal point. I don't know, maybe I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, like the show or like the kind of um, bunch of rich people moving in. Yeah, yeah, like you were there during like the homeless riots, and then now it's that you know it changed kind of fast. It seems. Like the Sex and the City thing, I do think that it became really trendy to just promote New York City, you know, in movies and um, TV shows and things like that. So I think that, <clears throat> you know, I was coming here because I was looking for artists and like 
you know, all of like the kind of, you know, edgier parts of New York. And then Sex and City kind of was, was selling like the more polished, like Central Park, like Cosmopolitan's part of New York. There weren't so many shows anymore that were bringing people like me. There was more shows that were bringing people like, you know, Carrie or whatever their names are, you know? So I think yeah. it did like help like bring a lot of um, people with money into the city and, and changed it. Is there any a shot, any shot of uh, you ever moving back to Buffalo or is, is New York your home? Um, I have like, because, you know, like me saying like that I'm not really so much into the nightlife anymore here now, um, there is more of a chance of me moving back to Buffalo. I, I do have some ideas of things that I would be excited about bringing to Buffalo, you know, that you guys may or may not have, but just like kind of just bringing like maybe like a little piece of my New York City influence there in like a food related way or maybe like reggae way. Um, so I can, I can possibly see myself moving back. And I also wanted to offer your listeners um, a discount code for the website. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah. So if they if they just type in Buffalo, they'll get 20% off. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, of course. No problem. Queen Majesty, folks, get in there. <laughs> Stocking stuffers. <laughs> <laughs> that's My right. Kids. We have little gift sets. Super cute. All right. Queen Majesty, it, it's been an honor to talk to you. Um, I I wish you luck in the future, and you what you will find is Buffalo's getting better, and I think they would embrace <laughs> that re, that reggae New York City flavor that you could bring. Thank yeah. you, and hey, we'll all have to get a drink, you know, when I'm home for uh, Christmas. Well, absolutely, yeah, Marky, we had the king, now we got the queen on the program, and uh, Eric Deal, you're licensed to talk. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. License to talk. Follow us on Twitter at JC is L2T and Instagram license to talk. Oh,